Good morning. We are grateful that you are here. It is a great day to be together, and we're thankful for the opportunity to worship together. We've got several of our number who are away from us this morning, uh, but we're grateful for that you are here. As is mentioned, those who are sick and those who have not felt like being back, we're grateful that you're with us this morning. We appreciate so much the chance to worship together in spirit and in truth. All those who have taken time to lead us, Ricky and his prayer, and Keith as he's guided us in thinking about the Lord's Supper and the time that we should spend in thinking about that. And of course, Don in selecting the songs that he did. I want to say, wanted to say thank you to Gary, but he warned me that he was going to go long in the announcements and he was taking 15 minutes of my time. So I'm not thanking him, but uh, as is always the case, the announcements are important. You know, I knew uh, an elder in the church one time who would speak. He wasn't much of a song leader. He didn't necessarily like the song lead, but he would speak. He said he'd do anything but make announcements because that made him the most nervous sometimes to kind of speak off the cuff and say things kind of that would come up. And so he hated that. So anybody that can do announcements, and we appreciate all our men who, who help us think about that. Sometimes it's a lot. Uh, I'd mentioned to Gary, but Faith is out of town uh, over the weekend with her sisters on a family trip. And so we did the bulletin on Wednesday. And so sometimes that happens. But if you notice, there's some things missing out of that. Uh, that's one reason why we got it done earlier in the week. And anything that took place after Wednesday, we weren't able to exactly get done so but that's all right but we're grateful that you are here we enjoy the beautiful weather the beautiful scenery around us and then also thankful for the day that we can spend together worshiping God we are finally this afternoon if you have a copy of the bulletin in front of you going to make it to the uh, lesson or the first lesson I plan to make it to about the intertestamental period I was thinking even last night as I was kind of going over the lesson just a little bit that for some of you, you've been looking forward to this and it'll be wonderful. Uh, for some of you, it'll be as boring as it used to be in history class when you kind of dreaded having to hear some of these things. But we are going to try to split it up so maybe they won't go too long. But to think a little bit about that period when you close the Old Testament and then open up to the book of Matthew. And we look forward to that. If you could see the slide here and make out the, the words on the screen that says membership classes, this is sometimes a slide that you see maybe when you visit a congregation or maybe a congregation will have something to the effect of, of having a, a title slide up like this that talks about having classes for maybe those who are interested in being a member and maybe even sometimes for those who already are members but want to know more. I'm not suggesting in any way that this is something that's wrong or shouldn't be done. In fact, for a while now at our elders and deacons and preachers meeting, we've talked about having what we commonly call a new converts class, but something that is for people who are interested in knowing more about membership, what it means to be a member. And that's kind of what we're going to talk about this morning. You see, when we think about this idea, there are commonly two groups of people who consider and ask the question, now what? Now what am I going to do? The first group that we sometimes think about are those people who are recently baptized. We are thankful, as we mentioned this morning, for Wyatt and his decision. And, and over the summer, others who have made a similar decision. But people who are baptized, they ask the question, now what? You see, even as we mentioned in our class on Wednesday night here in the auditorium, if you were with us, but so often people accuse members of the Church of Christ of rushing to baptism, to getting people to be baptized and talking about Acts chapter 2. But then the question comes up, now what? What am I supposed to do? But we even made mention as we have begun that discussion in that class that I believe that you can take the Bible 
And you can open the Bible and you can read on the pages of the Bible a person in, the, in a remote field in Montana or a person in Africa, the jungles of Africa as we sometimes say. A person can open the Bible and understand and read and know what they need to do to be saved. But then sometimes they might ask the question, now what? And when that question comes up, I believe also just as clearly the Bible points us toward church membership or joining ourselves. So a recently baptized person might say, now what? And the answer might come up, well, now you need to think about membership. The second group that we sometimes make mention of are those who are maybe Christians already who are looking for a home. Or we sometimes say a church home. Someone who has been saved from their sins, they've been added to the church by the Lord, and now they are looking for a home. That comes up from time to time for different reasons. Sometimes a person moves. Some of you may be newer to the congregation here. Some of you may have moved in years ago, and when you came to the Saudi Daisy area, you said, I'm looking for a home, now what do I do? And you start visiting to area congregations. Sometimes a person leaves because of hurt feelings or because of anger. Sometimes that comes up. Sometimes it's even because of trauma that a person would say, well, you know what, I'm just going to to change my membership to another place. And even sometimes we think about somebody who may have a change in situation of such a need and that they have to make a longer commute. You know, I lived in the Florence, Alabama area, Hannah and I did when we first got married. Some people would pass by six church buildings before they got to where they were going to attend. I talk a lot about one of my best friends, David Farr, and how he's in the Orlando area. And of course, Orlando is pretty large when you, if you've ever visited the city. And some people will have to drive 35 or 45 minutes maybe. And maybe they move to a different part of town. They say, well, you know what? That's just too much gas money. It's too much time. It's too hard on our family. And so we're going to change our membership. And there are Christians maybe who are looking for a home. This is one of those topics where sometimes we use a different title or a different phrase than other people use, than denominations sometimes use. This may be, as you see in your bulletin, the the type of phrase that you've heard before, the type of question. Do I have to join your church? Now that's a loaded question, we might say, because when we really break it down, there's a lot to it. Of course, first and foremost, there's the idea of have to. I reckon you don't have to do anything because we're not going to force you to. But I also think that as you read the Bible and you understand what God wants you to do, then yes, have to might be part of that. Of course, there's the idea of your. It's not mine. It's not even ours necessarily. As Keith just did a wonderful job a few moments ago of explaining to us, it belongs to Christ. He's the one that bought it. He's the one that purchased it. You can come to my house But you cannot join my church because it does not belong to me, but it belongs to Christ. So when we have this question sometimes asked of us, maybe it would be beneficial if we considered what the Bible has to say about it. Because maybe there's a little, uh, uh, maybe there's some terms that are used incorrectly. I would suggest that if somebody asks you something like this, that you not get offended, that you not get angry, because more than likely they may just be a little confused. They may be saying something that they've always heard before, so they're not trying to be in some kind of evil way or sinful way about it, but we can certainly help folks. The question that's often presented is, can I or do I have to join your church? What you have heard us talk about here before is the idea of can I place membership here? 
Is there a difference between those two questions? Does it really matter? And of course, as we always want to do, as we strive to do here at the Saudi Church, we, we want to examine what the Bible has to say about that, that maybe there's a Bible answer. And what we want to do this morning in our lesson is begin by thinking about some things that we need to understand about the question and about the spirit and the idea behind the question. Here's a few things to notice. First of all, we need to notice that it is more than a piece of paper. When somebody says, I want to join your church, we need to understand that church membership is more than a piece of paper, right? You, we sing the song sometimes when the roll is called up yonder. And maybe you come from a time or a family you remember when people talked about being on the roll. You know, school is starting. And if a student shows up in the wrong class, the teacher says, I'm going down my roll, my roster, my list, and your name is not on the roll. You need to, to leave the room or we need to figure something out. But at the same time, it's more than simply a piece of paper. Did you know that here at the Saudi church that I think by my count, we actually have about three different pieces of paper, so to speak. Faith has a list that she keeps up with. It's usually she'll put some out on the table in the foyer. It's got everyone's names, their email addresses, their, their address, their physical address, phone numbers, other information that we can look at. We also have an online directory. We have an app that you can use, and if you're not a part of that or need to update information, you can see Brian. He's kind of headed that up. He's not, they're not with us this morning, of course, but you can see him about that. We have an app that you can look at and see people's pictures if they put a picture up. And I even have a list that I've kind of taken responsibility for simply because it's a checklist. I hope that you notice our ushers and monitors sometimes. They sit outside in the lobby and help watch and keep security and count and all those kinds of things but they have a check sheet that they go off of to see who's here by name and there's multiple reasons for that that we can kind of hopefully keep an idea on who's here and who's missing you see you may be on vacation next week you could be sick the week after that but when a person starts missing two three four five six services in a row maybe someone needs to call and check on them the point is though that there are three different lists of people and I might put someone down on my list who's been visiting with us for several weeks because they're here every single time. But that's not the same as face. That's not the same as the app. And what's the point? Well, we don't exactly have a role because it's more than a piece of paper. Just because you might have your name on one of those pieces of paper doesn't mean anything. The Bible doesn't speak anywhere about the idea that being on the roll is what you need to do in that particular verbiage or that kind of way. So when we talk about being a member, joining a church, or joining the church, as we might say, we need to understand, first of all, it's more than a piece of paper. We also need to understand that there is no scriptural method. Now, I hope that doesn't offend you or make you nervous, but if we're talking about what the Bible has to say, and we want to be honest with what the Bible has to say, we need to be honest that there is no scriptural method. There's nowhere in the Bible that the Bible says, well, after Paul was baptized or after someone else was baptized, that they went and they did this and this and this and they checked the boxes and now they have joined membership to that church. There's nothing that says that. So sometimes that might kind of bother someone. You know, we kind of like to be told exactly what to do sometimes. Sometimes the Bible tells us specifically, God tells us exactly what to do in a situation. Other times, maybe it's left open to a little bit of interpretation. You know, one thing that's not in the Bible as well that we sometimes often do 
two songs, and then a prayer, and then a song, and then the sermon. That's not in the Bible, right? We know that, and we're a little facetious about that sometimes. But there is no scriptural method to the worship service. So sometimes we might sing three songs, or we might do something a little different. The goal is to accomplish being together, encouraging one another, and worshiping God. Same thing is true or similar to the idea of joining a church or the church or joining your membership to a church. I hope you know that I'm using that in several different ways this morning, and we're going to try to keep nailing this down. But understand that in the Bible, there is no no scriptural method. However, we also see in the Bible, it's not an option. It's not an option. It's not something that you get to decide, well, I think I want to do that. We mentioned a moment ago that it should be a natural outpouring of someone who is saved from their sins. They should keep reading on what people are doing and understand that next, it seems like that they are then attaching themselves to a group of Christians. That they are placing their quote-unquote membership with a group of people. There may be no scriptural method. This is exactly how you do it. This is the exact number of days that you need to wait or anything like that. But it's not an option. We might also say that it is important and it is very much necessary. We're already talking about why it's necessary for several of those reasons. But it is very important when we think about what God has told Christians to do. We're going to come back home and uh, come back at the end and, and kind of touch on that a little bit more at the end of our lesson But when we think about it, it is very important and it is very necessary to what takes place. Now, here's what I'd like for us to do in the next couple of minutes. I'm going to put at least four verses up on the screen. And I'd like for you to turn with me and we'll turn together and we'll read them. But to try to understand maybe another concept, another idea. Why is it not an option? Why is it important and necessary? There is no scriptural method, but what does or what do the scriptures say? Let's think, first of all, you can turn in your Bible to Colossians chapter 4 and verse number 16. I want you to see if there's a pattern here. I want you to see if you hear something in these verses that we look at. Colossians chapter 4 and verse number 16. Paul is writing to a group of Christians and he says, Now when this epistle is read among you, See that it is read also in the church of the Laodiceans, and that you likewise read the epistle from Laodicea. Now this is another one of those passages, like we talked about last Sunday morning, where if you are kind of reading through Scripture, you might go right past it. You might say, well, I don't, I don't know what he's talking about, I am unsure. But to try to infer a little bit from what Paul says, there is an epistle that he is writing to the Colossians, but there's also an epistle that he has written to the Laodiceans, and he's saying that when you read this among you, that then you need to go and get the other. You need to exchange. There's beneficial information in both. Secondly, let's think about 1 Thessalonians chapter 5 and verse number 12. 1 Thessalonians 5 and verse number 12. He says here, and we urge you, brethren, to recognize those who labor among you and are over you in the Lord and admonish you. Who's he talking about? Well, he's talking about those who are over them and labor among them, and those are the elders. He's talking about elders here, but he's saying that elders labor among you and are over you, and we need to, and they should and can admonish us. I don't know if you're seeing a pattern yet, but maybe you're beginning to notice. Look at James chapter 5 and verse number 14. 
James chapter 5 and verse number 14. James this time, different than Paul, of course, obviously, but writing says something similar. There's still a theme going through this, these verses. He says, is anyone among you sick? Let him call for the elders, here again, of the church, and let them pray over him, anointing him with oil in the name of the Lord. There's been at least two words that have been used every time. I don't know if you picked up on them yet, but the final one will really hit it home here in 1 Peter chapter 5, verses 1 and 2. 1 Peter chapter 5, verses 1 and 2. When we think about what Peter is going to say this time, he makes mention, 1 Peter chapter 5, verses 1 and 2. The elders, there again, who are among you, I exhort... I, who am a fellow elder and a witness of the sufferings of Christ, and also a partaker of the glory that will be revealed, shepherd the flock of God which is among you, serving as overseers, not by constraint, but willingly, not for dishonest gain, but eagerly. Now notice as you look there, there's more to that particular passage, but I hope that you've caught the key. Here's the key. The key is among you. In each one of these epistles, in each one of these letters, these inspired men are writing to people and they're talking about being among you. That's the key. Being among you. When you are with a group of people, can you say that you are among them? You know, I don't know if it was last Sunday or if it was the Sunday before, but I use the example of the Lions Club kind of offhand, maybe just as a, an earthly example of joining the Lions Club or some, some other organization among a community. How is it that you might say you are among someone? Are you among a group of people? It seems like when we look here that while there is no scriptural method that you check these boxes or you have to visit a certain number of times, that there is a case in which people are considered together and someone is considered among them. Question, how many times does it take for a person to visit before they are among us? Is it one time? Is it two times? What about by the third time? That's three times in a row they visit. Are they now among us? You know, we always had a joke at Freed Hardeman, uh, been going on for a long time around campus. There are swings, you know, just little small swings you can sit on. And, and usually those swings are inhabited by a couple, right? A boy and a girl who are, are sitting together and they're spending some quiet time together there in the swing. And at Freed Hardeman, the saying was three swings and a ring. All right, if you are in a swing three times with somebody, then you're going to get married or you've got to get married because you've been seen together that many times. Question, how many times does a person have to visit before they are among us? Well, that's an interesting question, but it also tells us that there is a scriptural way in which people are grouped together. You see, here's the thing. It's about accountability. It's about accountability. Some of you are filling out your outline, and that's fine. But as you're doing that as well, turn to Hebrews chapter 13 and verse number 17. Hebrews 13 and verse number 17. The reason that you might want to be among someone is because it's about accountability. Paul is writing, or the Hebrew writer, some believe to be Paul, but the Hebrew writer is writing here, and he says in verse number 17, Obey those who rule over you. Who are we talking about again? We're talking about elders. Obey those who rule over you and be submissive, for they watch out for your souls. You see, that's enough. 
We could stop there and that, that be enough and understand that the elders have a great responsibility that they are over us, we should submit to them, and they are to watch out for our souls. But notice that it says, as those who must give account. When I say it's about accountability, please understand it's about the elders' accountability, but it's also about our accountability. I don't mean this to say it's about accountability that it's solely on them. They watch for our souls and they have to give an account, but it's also about each one of us giving an accountability to one another. That's what it's about. Why should we be among you? Why should we have a group of Christians that we are among and joined ourselves to? Because it's about accountability. Being connected to people in such a way that we are accountable for something. That we are accountable to someone. Yes, we are accountable to God. But we should also be accountable to the elders. They should shepherd and oversee and watch out for your souls. That's why it's such a great responsibility. And it's why it's important. You see, here's the thing. When we ask the question, do I have to join your church? Or maybe the, then the question become, becomes, okay, I understand that I should, but how do I join your church? We might say then, when we think about how do I join your church, that you can declare it in some way. You can declare it in some way. I ask the question, how many visits does it take? Well, a person I reckon could visit a hundred times and still not be among us unless they're willing to declare it in some way. Now, this is where we often say there is no scriptural method, but we have often come up with our own methods of declaring that you want to be among us. The way that we usually do it is you can talk to one of the elders Typically, then you'd want to meet with all the elders and they would want to meet with you to ask some questions and to find out some things, to understand your background, who you are, where you came from, about your family and that kind of thing. But you declare so that you then have some accountability. Can you imagine if I just showed up, I'll just keep using it, but if I showed up at the Lions Club meeting, I had a yellow vest on and a yellow hat on, and they said, well, who are you and what are you doing here? I just wanted to show up. I thought I'd be you know, part of the Lions Club. Well, you need to do something. You've got to make some efforts. You've got to declare it. And then there's some things that you need to do in order to be a part of us, among us. Same is true when we think about joining, placing membership with a congregation. You see, you don't join the church, as we say, because the Lord adds you to His church. But then as we read about in the Bible, though there may be no scriptural method, you begin to understand you should want to be among a group of people because it's about accountability. And the problem sometimes with that is, do you know what happens when you join a group? There are expectations, right? There are expectations. You're expected to do certain things. You're expected to participate in a certain way. You're expected to maybe be present for a certain number of meetings, right? Maybe you're part of the PTA or the Lions Club or whatever, and they say, well, if you miss 50% of the meetings, then your membership is revoked. If you are not participating in the, the things that we're doing, the fundraisers or the charity events that we're doing, then you can't be a member. With membership comes expectations. But here's the point I want you to really understand this morning. Also with membership comes great great benefits and I am quickly running out of time this morning but I'll also warn you that I could stand here all day and I could talk about the great great benefits that come with being among a group of people 
with joining yourself to a group of people, being counted among them. In fact, here's what we're going to do. There's no exact thing, but let's notice one more time about four different verses which lead us down thinking about the path of thinking about some of these things. Do you remember in Galatians chapter 6 and verse number 2? Paul says, bear one another's burdens and so fulfill the law of Christ. You don't have to answer out loud, but let me ask you. Have you ever had a burden in this life? Have you ever had a burden that you felt like you couldn't bear? Have you ever had anybody who helped you bear that burden? There's a chance that it was a co-worker, a fellow teacher, a, a classmate, or someone like that. But there's also a good chance it was a, a fellow Christian that helped you bear that burden. You know what Paul says here? He says when we do that, we're fulfilling the law of Christ. That's what bearing one another's burdens does. Are there expectations when you are among a group of people and you attach yourself to a local congregation of people? There certainly are. Man, there are great, great benefits, including bearing one another's burdens. What about 1 Corinthians chapter 12? Once again, most of us know this section of Scripture because we skip over it to get to chapter 13 where we talk about love, right? The preacher at the wedding reads from 1 Corinthians 13. There's a beautiful, beautiful description that Paul gives, though, in 1 Corinthians chapter 12 about the church. Notice in, in verse number 24, beginning in the second part, part B, but God composed the body, having given greater honor to that part which lacks it, that there should be no schism, no division in the body, but that the members should have the same care for one another. And here it is. How do we drive it home? If one member suffers, all the members suffer. And if one member is honored, all the members rejoice with it. Rejoicing with those who rejoice, weeping with those who weep. It's one of the greatest blessings of connecting yourself to a group of people in an area and being among them. I think I mentioned the other night that I was mad at Travis because every time we have a singing, he leads God's family. And the problem with that is, is that I sim simply can't sing God's family because it means too much to me and my family. And it means too much when you sing those words. Thinking about how we laugh together and we cry together and we go through all these situations in life. And are there expectations when you place membership? There are. But the benefits are so, so great. Ephesians chapter 4, verses 11 through 16. When Paul is talking here again about the body to some extent, we won't take the time to read all of this, but he begins in verse number 11. You know the section we're talking about the different things, apostles, prophets, evangelists, pastors, and teachers. Why? Why do we all have a part to play? For the equipping of the saints, for the work of the ministry, for the edifying of the body of Christ. To verse 16. For whom the whole body joint and knit together by what every joint supplies, according to the effective working by which every part does its share, causes growth of the body for the edifying of itself in love. We talk a lot sometimes about trying to be nice to our visitors, you know, trying to be kind, put on a smiling face, trying to reach out to them. But sometimes what it really takes <clears throat> is them visiting more than once and seeing a group of Christians who are among you, who are together, who are doing all of these things, edifying one another, praying for one another, encouraging one another. And it's one of the greatest benefits when we think about not only the salvation that we have in Christ, but the fact that when Christ shed his blood so that we could have the forgiveness of our sins, he also paid the price for the church. 
So that when he left, he could leave behind the body and all these descriptions that Paul gives and we can be a part of it. I threw in here on the end just for free, but are there physical benefits? Have you ever read a survey or talked to a, a doctor? Have you ever read that people who attend church services who are connected and considered maybe a part of a church live longer? They're healthier. They're happier. It's not perfect. Just because you show up here and you sit in a pew doesn't mean that things are going to be hunky-dory and wonderful all of your life. But yes, in general, people who are among you, who place their membership somewhere and have an accountability to others and to an eldership are physically better. They're improved. I think the Bible talks about that a little bit, but it more talks about the spiritual benefits that we gain when we think about joining a church. See, the question is, do I have to join your church? The answer is, don't be mistaken, it's not mine, it's not even ours. It's the church of Jesus Christ, it's a church that belongs to him, that he paid for. And yes, in one sense, you should, you kind of have to. You're added to the church by the Lord, but you can also attach yourself, connect yourself with a group of local Christians, and find the great, great benefits that come with the accountability and with the other things that we've already mentioned and again, I think it's one of the greatest things in all the world. I have great family. I have family that I love dearly and look forward to seeing them in the near future soon at the holidays as we think about that, a great physical family. But I can't begin to describe to you the spiritual family that we have, not just that meets here but around the world. When we think about joining ourselves to someone and making a connection, it's one of the greatest blessings I've long said, and it's a little different when I'm a preacher now, serving full-time as a preacher, but I, I've long said that I would never really worry about losing my job. Do I, do I worry about my family in a sense and having money? Yes. Do I know that I would need to go out and find something else and there might be a scary time for a while? Yes. But do I know that if I were just a member here, not the preacher, and push came to shove and the congregation knew that I was struggling or our family was struggling, that, that you would do anything for us? Because we would do anything for you. Because that's the way it works when you are a part of the church. Not the church at large, yes in one sense, but also a local congregation. Placing your membership there for all the various reasons that we've already touched on this morning. And here's the way I'd like to, to end this morning, to bring it home. I asked you, I told you we'd come back around. But use your logical thinking for just a moment. We hadn't even talked about this yet. Would God give all of these instructions in his word on what to do and then expect Christians just to live however they want? Do you think that it would make sense for God to say that here's what I want you to do, but you don't have to have any accountability? And you know what else you don't get? You don't get any help at all. I'm sorry, you've just got to go live and do it on your own. Logically, that doesn't make sense with the God that we know and that we read about on the pages of the Bible. He's told us what to do, but he also has helped us say, I know you're going to struggle, and here's an accountability partner, as we sometimes say. Or here's you some help. You're not alone. Whether it's cancer, whether it's a loss of finances or a job, whether it's some kind of problem within your family, mentally or emotionally, you have help when you are among a group of people, whether it be in Colossians, Colossae, Ephesus, or Saudi Daisy, Tennessee. It's wonderful, and it's beautiful. And God certainly knew what he was doing when he laid out this plan for us, and it included the church. And I'll make one more invitation here before we extend heaven's invitation, but that's what we're talking about 
on Wednesday nights right now is the beautiful nature of the church and how wonderful it is. You see, before you can attach yourself to a group of Christians, we said at the beginning there's two groups of people who ask now what, and the first one was those who are recently baptized. You see, you can't attach yourself to a group of Christians unless you are like them and that you've had your sins washed away. As we've said, you are added to the church. You might join yourself to a membership, but you're added to the church by the Lord when you are saved from your sins by the blood of Christ. You are obedient and submissive to him when you submit to baptism and have your sins washed away in the way that he's described for us to do. If you're here this morning and you've never done that, please consider doing so. If you have more questions, we'd study with you as soon as possible so that you can make that decision. Or maybe, brother or sister, you've done that, and maybe you've struggled in some way. Maybe there's sin in your life that you would like forgiveness of, that you would like to have that, that forgiven. There is also a scriptural description of what one needs to do, that you can confess your sins to God, repent of those sins, and pray for forgiveness. And he is willing to forgive. He is just to forgive that you can again walk in the light as he is in the light. We are thankful to have elders here. Elders who will watch over us and care for us, who care enough to say that we're going to come to the front each Sunday morning and pray with you and for you if you have a need. We're thankful for Jesus we're in his death. We're thankful for God and his plan. You can become a Christian. You can come back to him even now as we stand together and as we sing.